I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. It's easy and totally free. Use code BUCK in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Bold, reverent, and occasionally random. The Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast starts now. So Outkick, company that that I sold to Fox a couple of years ago, sports media company, you can check it out, outkick.com, hired Kurt Schilling, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Do you know Kurt Schilling at all, Buck? Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, so Kurt Schilling uh, became, for those of you out there who are not super baseball fans or super sports fans in general, very famous with the so-called bloody sock game uh, when the Boston Red Sox finally ended their uh, their long-running sea of futility as it pertained to winning the World Series. He was the pitcher uh, on a team that was very important to making that happen. Um, and so as I was... Uh, rolling into the studio at Fox on Friday, there was a Media Matters story. Now, Media Matters basically is just a left-wing propaganda outlet that is constantly obsessed with trying to shut down uh, anybody who is uh, anything other than far left-wing. And so they had an article ripping us for hiring Kurt Schilling, and I thought this was great. I'm only mentioned as one sentence in the article, but here's how I am described. This is on Media Matters uh, website. Right-wing conspiracy theorist and sexist commentator Clay Travis founded the site. So I couldn't help but laugh as I was reading their article ripping us for hiring Kurt Schilling. The only mention of me is right-wing conspiracy theorist and sexist commentator Clay Travis. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I am jealous, by the way. That's an awesome way to be described by by the left. The more when, when the libs hate you and don't even feel the need 
to explain why they can call you the things that they do, that's when you know you've really made it. You know, well, that's, that, that's when you what's know so it's... funny about it. Like, there's no description of uh, of any of that. It's just like I am those things. They are labeling them. And the funniest response I saw was, "Oh, you should just read this as sexiest uh, uh, commentator," um, which yeah, is I mean, certainly look, not true. But if we could add, if the, you're going to call... really change the uh, impact there. If you're going to call somebody a conspiracy theorist, I think as a general rule, you should have to at least cite what the conspiracy theory is. Because, I mean, in your case, I'm assuming they probably were pulling that from from COVID in some capacity, right? That's the most likely situation. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, you've been doing the show with me for two years. Can you think of anything that I've said on the air that you're like, oh, that's a big conspiracy theory thing? Like, I I, I don't even know what we both said about vaccines and masks and things that have now all been proven to be correct or certainly much more correct than what was being said by the Fauci consensus. And so, yeah, to me, it just goes to show you, Clay, when you're over the target, you're taking flack, my friend. So, so good for you. Good for you in getting that one and, uh, and getting some heat. You know, there's a, um, I, I had the tweet up a second ago, uh, but Ann Applebaum is a well-known Soviet historian and has written some very highly regarded books, history books. So that's why I, yeah. I know of her from that. Uh, specifically, I think on Ukraine on the, and the, uh, the Holodomor, the famine, the forced famine, it should be noted, by the Soviets in Ukraine as part of a, uh, a effort to uh, liquidate the Kulaks and, and, and Ukrainians in general. Um, she was somebody who, in response in 2020, in response to the COVID Wuhan lab leak theory, called it. Soviet level propaganda in 2020 in response specifically to Tom Cotton talking about it on TV. Why, why don't people feel any shame for this? Like if I had accused somebody of Soviet, Soviet level propaganda and they were entirely right, I may not like them, but I would at least say you were right. I was wrong. I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have said that. That was and this, I'm just using her as a as a stand in for the entire Democrat media apparatus. None, none of them feel the need to say they were wrong. About this, none of them feel the need to say I'm sorry. I mean, there were fact checks written about me. There were attacks on me in the New York Times that were total bullcrap. And on top of that, I was right and they were wrong. Are there any apologies? I mean, we just got attacked the Times. I was attacked the Times before that, though. And you know, I was attacked by Politifact. You're now being called a conspiracy theorist by uh, what was it? Was it a mediaite or Media Matters? It? Oh, Media Matters. Media Matters. Yeah. Well, by the way. That's the you want your own vertical at Media Matters. You know what I mean? You need to have your own. They need to devote someone to just this show if they're not already. I think they might be uh, because when the pseudo public interest and education group of Media Matters starts attacking you, then then, you know, you're you're doing God's work because they're the worst. They're the worst alleged media organization or supposed media organization. I think of, of all of them. I mean, they're laughably grotesque in what they do. And I, I just think that we still need to get people to come clean on how they were wrong about all this stuff, because you can still go out and find it out there. They basically slandered people and they don't, they don't seem to care. There's no, there's no problem whatsoever with it. And I think that that's something that it's, it's not okay for that to stay out there. And if we had gotten something really wrong about COVID, I'd come on the, on the show and say it. No. In fact, people try to get people fired for saying the right things about COVID. And they feel no remorse whatsoever because it was just attack the enemy with lies. Whatever you have to do, attack the enemy. And you and I are the enemy, my friend, the enemy of the commies.
which is a good person to be the enemy of. Uh, and, you know, I'm happy to be out there taking, you know, shrapnel every single day over this stuff. But what I see is the attacks are increasingly a rear guard action as they are trying to retreat from the battlefield because they've just been swamped with the actual truth. And the way that I think that's best to uh, to explain it, Buck, is no one is getting any of these COVID shots anymore. No one. When you look at the earnings reports, and I was reading over the weekend, Moderna came out with their earnings report. They made $20 billion in profit off of the COVID shots. That's our taxpayer dollars. They now are warning that their dollars profit is diminishing rapidly because nobody's taking these shots. So even people who are out there arguing, oh, the COVID shot is one of the greatest scientific advances of all time, they're not taking it either. In fact, there are going to be tens of millions of dollars of Moderna Pfizer vaccine doses that are never used because the gig is up. People have recognized that they've been lied to. I guess getting shot number 12, not such a good idea. (laughs) Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck. Get your wedding advice, Buck. You just put up uh, on Twitter asking people for their best wedding advice for you uh and a lot of insightful stuff so i can I, you know there's you know there's fun obviously there's funny stuff and tongue-in-cheek stuff to people but a lot of really insightful stuff um yeah well I, i'm i'm excited to uh to to have that conversation with the audience tomorrow we'll open up phone lines we'll let people have some fun uh with that uh because buck's getting married on saturday but uh we did want to play the audio of aoc losing her mind which i believe we now have grabbed this was a little bit earlier in the day on the house floor as uh, as Elon Omar is being pulled off of her committee assignment, AOC, here she is. Enjoy. Don't tell me that this is about an abdi- a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. <laughs> what? First of all, why, who who's supposed to apologize her because there are death threats from lunatics out there, which every public figure that I can think of has to contend with? It's unfortunate, and I wish it didn't exist. Yeah. But this idea that if somebody makes a death threat to you, you are going to use it for political advantage, and it's evidence of how uh, how awful your opponents are. Look, it's unfortunate. In the public eye, people say awful things to you all day long, Every day. I mean, just just imagine, you know, I'm a I'm a member of Congress, and I'm I'm in a you know in a floor debate with other members of Congress or whatever, and I'm saying, you know, yeah, guys, I just I really don't agree with uh, with putting my signature on that trade bill, and 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 you know what? Um, if you disagree with me, then you're siding with the rando that emailed me a death threat a week ago. Yeah. Is, is that a fair way to approach anything? I mean, I'm just wondering. Is, is that like a emotional blackmail or what? It's supposed to be a trump card. Yeah, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, you can't disagree with me because the people who disagree with me are so vile, they're trying to kill me. That I mean, that's basically what she's saying. And it's a strange way to end that bit. I think we also have Rashida Tlaib who started to cry uh, over this. Um, so you can enjoy this as well. 
Censor Congresswoman Omar in the same week. They introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are, really. Gentlewoman's time has expired. Omar will not be silenced. Gentlewoman's time to has Congress expired. Omar, I Gentlewoman's am so time sorry, has expired. That our country is failing you today through this chamber. You belong the gentlewoman is no longer recognized. Oh my god. Mark, I mean, what is that? Who are these emotional lunatics who hear that and think, I'm so glad they're speaking out for me? This is why I say these people don't have actual audiences. They, they really don't. Um, this is a total, I really believe this, manufactured, uh, social media created idea that the squad is super influential. I mean, can we play that one more time? I just, I mean, she sounds like a completely unhinged lunatic. This is on the, the floor of the House of Representatives. Whatever your political opinions are, if you heard this woman, would you be like, yeah, I'm with her? Censor Congresswoman Omar in the same week. They introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are, really. Gentlewoman's time has expired. Will not be silenced. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Omar, I am so sorry that our country is failing you today through this chamber. The gentleman is no longer recognized. My God. We just need to grab. We need to start grabbing a few audio clips. The last like six seconds there is totally unhinged lunatic behavior. Can we just grab that audio and save it? So every now and then when we're upset. It's not. She's not even like being fired from her job or she's just not on the on the foreign affairs committee anymore. I know. Not everybody in Congress gets to be on the Foreign Affairs Committee. They removed her from a committee. It's uh, What are we even talking about over there? Also, man, what a bad public speaker. Just the voice inflection is so strange and off-putting. And this is what I was saying the other day that I think is unfortunate. I really wish that we had, uh, you know, we the, the IQ level of our politicians I think is far too low to get very high level representation there are a lot of dumb people I'm mean, going to be fair of both political parties there are a lot of dumb people who are in Congress and in the Senate and frankly in the governor's offices it's it's really like they just can't process information and so they end up just like screaming really like in a, in a strange way i mean that was just super weird to be happening on the house floor yes right i mean it, that's it, like that's that's really it really strange. was just inappropriate yeah <laughs> it just it just I mean, how could you be uh, like oh she made the case that i wish i could make you know that's what you should want your congressman to make if you heard the last eight seconds of that speech is anybody out there like i'm so glad she's speaking up for me like the average person in her district could you, be you know more what though? eloquent I, I would be willing to bet. I mean, we, we can check on this. You know who's going to have a speaking slot tonight in primetime on MSNBC? That congresswoman. Let's hear her one more time, Buck, as we go into the... This is the final 10 seconds. I just... I, I, I can't get enough of this. 
I am so sorry, expired. that our country is failing you today through this chamber. You belong the, the gentlewoman is no longer recognized. <laughs> And that's going to be A Block, A Block in prime time on MSNBC tonight. She will be there, I guarantee you. It makes me think like it's like a really bad lifetime drama when somebody is confronting, they finally found out who the killer was. That's what the screaming session sounds like. Like, you belong in this country. We failed you. Like, I, I can't even, I can't even believe that that was a real speech on the House floor just in the last couple of hours. To your point, Buck, over. A committee seat. Right. No one's getting sent to prison here. You know what I mean? It's not that big a deal. It's like not without my daughter back in the way. You'd think that the Iranians were trying to take her daughter away from her. There's an old school 1980s movie reference for you. Is that Sally Field? I think it was Sally Field. Ooh, playing an Iranian woman. I don't know. That might have been cultural appropriation. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash buck and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash buck, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can afford to travel this summer. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less, every time you play. You pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever. And it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize picks also gives you injury insurance so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free prize picks app and open your account. Use my name, Clay, for a first deposit match. 
up to $100. Download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Sundays with Clay and Buck. I teased off the top of the show that something unbelievable had happened. Uh, there was such a ridiculous situation that Whoopi Goldberg and I, the view stalwart Whoopi Goldberg and I, have ended up on the same side of an issue. And it has to do with all of this ridiculous censorship of books. Rewriting, basically, for those of you out there who missed this story, is going on what seems to be quite commonly. I would just like to drop this thought out there for millions of people across the country. I think Whoopi needs to invite you on The View, Clay. I think it needs to happen. I'll be in the audience. I'll be cheering you on. Be great TV. I think they still require their audience to wear masks. Um, But I would love to go on The View as a guest. I think I would be incredible theater. I would definitely get booed. It would be be riveting. Uh, But they started with it. I pronounce his name Roald Dahl who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, James and the Giant, Peach. Probably a good chance that either you or your kids or grandkids have read these books over the last 40 or so years, 50 years, as they have been wildly popular for many children. And they've decided to replace offensive, and offensive is in quotation marks, language throughout his children's books. Sometimes if a kid is fat, they're now referred to as enormous uh, would be an example. Even the books I, that some of these kids are would, reading. Would you, I'd rather be called fat than enormous. You know, enormous is like super fat, to be yeah. fair. I Yes. And, and roly-poly is condescending. No one wants to be called roly-poly. Also, like Augustus Gloop, I think, was that German kid's name, if I remember correctly. His weight is a big part of what happens to him, spoiler alert, as he goes through the chocolate factory. This is why he's like, Mommy, I need the chocolate river, all of it in my mouth at one time. Or else, oh no, I fell in the chocolate river and I float because of my buoyancy. Yes, this is a very good accent. A fat kid is unable, as you might expect, to restrain himself inside of a chocolate factory. A bit of a bull with a, uh, with a towel kind of uh, situation. He's being taunted. What is your, what is your weakness? Like, what is your, your I, you know, I don't, you don't smoke. I don't think you drink. But like, what is your, I bring it up just because, like, I think I might have an addiction to chocolate, which my wife could now confirm. Oh, really? That, you're, that you think chocolate. would be like, yeah. um, I, I, it's a fantastic question. Probably that I am, uh, I'm overconfident. Like, I, I just think that I can do things that I can't, you know, like, and then. I just meant, I meant more like food and substances, but okay, that's cool too. Oh, well, that you're works, go, yeah. I, I thought you were going deep into the psychology there. Uh, no, I could no, eat, I meant I like. I could eat chicken parm for every meal. I could eat. Okay. I, like, like you could eat enough chicken eating. parm that you're disgusted at yourself afterwards with how much chicken parm you've eaten. I, it's hard for me to stop eating cobbler or pecan pie. Like, I could mm. just go to town on those. It's hard for me to put put an ending to it. Uh <laughs> Uh, so back but, to the chubby German kid and Roll, Roll Dahl. Roll Dahl, chubby German kid. They are changing the language in this kid's books. And we know this has already happened with Dr. Seuss, where they even took a step further and said, oh my goodness, there's a drawing or there's a plot point or there's a page where people are out there and they're saying these books can no longer be published. Well, they're now doing it to the James Bond books, which were written by Ian Fleming. I think, Buck... 
these books would have come out in the early 1960s. I think I am correct. The first ever James Bond book by Ian Fleming would have been written in like 1960, something like that. Does that sound right? Yeah, Ian Fleming is fascinating in that he uh, was a part of, I believe, British naval intelligence in the Second World War. So he was a guy writing really the greatest spy novel franchise of all time as somebody who had worked as, it's interesting, we're not supposed to call it, the spy is the person who works for the intelligence officer, just so everyone knows. So you don't usually refer to yourself as a spy if you are in the CIA or MI6. The people that are bringing you the information are the spies. And another thing to always keep in mind, if anyone ever tells you they were a CIA agent, Clay, be very suspicious because anybody who's ever worked in the agency knows it is CIA officer. But Ian Fleming, I hate when they do TV and they call me a former CIA agent. I'm like, now it sounds like, you know, this was something I, I, uh, I made up to impress ladies at bars, which, by the way, let me tell you, they're not impressed. They're like, wait, you work for the government? How much money do you make? They'd much rather hear your professional sports player. Um, and I would also say uh, that Ian Fleming was uh, part of Operation Mincemeat, I believe, which if you, they actually made a movie of it which was the landing of a, well, I should say the floating of a body with fake invasion plans off the coast of Spain. He was part of that in real, pretty like cool. in, in actuality. Anyway, sorry, but I, just th- I think Ian Fleming's a fascinating guy. Yeah, well, I wanted to get make sure I got this right. The first James Bond book was published in 1953, Casino Royale. Uh, it appears he published about 12 of them. Obviously, those then have turned into iconic movies uh, that uh, that continue to have a great deal of power to this day. But I read some of these books when I was a kid because I was a James Bond guy, and I was like, these are super cool and interesting. And, you know, as you read a book that was written in the 1950s or the 1960s, anything by modern sensibilities is going to sound different. So they are now editing them based on race and sexism-related issues, racism and sexism-related issues. And, Buck, to her credit... Whoopi Goldberg on The View has come out and ripped this idea. Listen. Look, y'all got to stop this, okay? Just put a disclaimer on it that says, listen, this book was written at this time, you know, or put out the original and what y'all have done because kids should have the right to read how people thought so that they know how to make the change. But, you know, they tried to do this with with Mark Twain as well because they were so concerned that the N-word was in the book. Well, that's how they did it. That's what it was. We don't want people doing it today, and you don't see it as much. That's how people learn. I I feel like uh, James Carville in old school when he's, like, on the debate stage and goes, that was perfect. I have no response. (laughs) She's totally right. She's totally right. Yeah. She nailed it. I mean, I think she even used the same example as I did on the show when we talked about Dahl's books being edited. Huckleberry Finn, you need to see the totality of that work. And here's what I would suggest. I mean, not, not that my books have any sign of great historical legacy or anything, but as an author, I find the idea that after I'm dead, somebody can go in and change the words that I published in my book to be awful. I, if I'm dead... I, it's a little bit more challenging if the existing author, you know, like um, some people got upset, Buck, with uh, George Lucas because he went back in and altered some of his Star Wars movies, right? Added different scenes, did different things that he wished he had included. And if the author, a creator is still alive, I, I'm a bit more, you know, 
open to the idea of, hey, this is my work and I've decided I want to revise it. I don't like it because I think the work should stand for itself because it's a representation of the time and era in which it was created. And if you come back 30 or 40 years later and alter it, I don't like that personally. But I'm at least open to the idea if the creator of the work decides that he or she wants to amend it in some way. But the idea that you change an author's works after he or she is dead is like it sh- you should be able to sign something that keeps that from ever occurring. Well, we can think about you know times in history and and modesty movements with regard to art and uh, the fig leaves and making leaves and making sure that you know we weren't showing any any exposed breasts or you know with statues or paintings and we think about these these movement uh, movements of the past and you think well that that's an overreaction that that shouldn't be done that's what they're doing right now you know we, yes. we look historically at points in time and they were saying oh we we need to cover up all those those greco-roman statues because of the ladies boobs clay as you yes. know we can always Nobody believe defends them more than me we can always believe in and we realize that that's so silly and yet here we are just with a slightly different framework doing the, the same thing i mean as as others have pointed out, I think it's an obvious point, so I'll make it as well. What happens to Shakespeare? I mean, yeah. honestly. Now, I think that the left, there are a lot of people on the left who, you know, Shakespeare's a little, little tough. They'd have to actually get in and understand some of the stuff. But they know that there's things in there that are politically incorrect, things in there that uh, would be considered problematic. So are we going to start editing Shakespeare? I mean, this this is, where where does this end? You know, when the Soviets did this kind of stuff, when they were suppressing art and theater and literature, we said, oh, how how horrible it is. And it was. But somehow the left in this country, which thinks of itself as the place for creativity and for the creative class, they have become the little commissars. They're all the Now, to her credit, Whoopi Goldberg, for example, is standing up saying this is crazy. And she's right. And she deserves she deserves the applause she got from the audience on that one. But so many on the left, Clay, I mean, she's not going to stop them. This is going to continue. I wonder, did it Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg uh, appear in The Color Purple? Wasn't that when, like a movie that she was in, based the, 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 the novel? I'd have to check. We'll look it up in the break. Yeah, she was. And the reason why I bring that up is that novel was considered very controversial. I believe it was by Alice Walker. And Whoopi, to her credit, may recognize that the idea, there, there are scenes in that novel that are very problematic, right? They're tough sometimes for teenage kids to read. That doesn't mean they shouldn't read it, right? And there's a difference. And we talked about this on the show, and I think it's an important one. There's also a difference between changing the language in a book and deciding what's appropriate for a kid to read, right? Um, and, and I think there's a big difference there. And oftentimes it gets, uh, it gets ignored or, or isn't recognized. And that's an important part of this distinction here. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.